Hello, Combi Nation. My name is Subi Sedate. I've spent over a decade in medical device, pharma, and combination product development. Our industry feels complicated sometimes. Drugs, devices, clinical trials, submissions, sterilization, validation, design control, risk management, market access, reimbursement. The list goes on. My goal is mastery. So this podcast is to ask questions I have to people who may have the answers. Each week on the Combinate podcast, I talk to someone about their area to further understand and simplify. Whether you're a pharma person trying to understand the next wave of products, or a device person trying to navigate a pharma system you're unfamiliar with, or a newbie in both areas, I invite you to listen, and together we can simplify by combinating. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Combinate Podcast. I'm your host, Subi Sadeh. Didn't start with the normal podcast intro where I call the episode special because it's just me here today. But I wanted to archive and do a point in time episode because August and September uh, hit a couple big milestones that I just I wanted to do a, a lessons learned Recently, I completed my first full Ironman triathlon, which has been a big dream of mine for a long time, and also hit 100 episodes on the podcast. And I've joked around to a lot of people in the industry that I think triathlon is the combination products of sport. And that's the linkage here. And the 100 episodes just crept in on me. I just wanted to acknowledge that milestone and just do uh, a lessons. In both cases, the number one lesson that I've learned is to start small. And I remember when I was going through ideating about the podcast, the, the and, and it's in the intro of the podcast that what I'm really after is mastery of the subject areas that I work in and the industry that I've devoted my time to the industry that I love. And I just, I found that more and more as I was trying to do cold reach outs to people, people were just not open to talking to me for me to get their advice or them to answer the questions that I was curious about. And I came up with the idea that a podcast might be able to sweeten the pot for whoever's talking to me and that they get some kind of work product out of it. Fast forward to today, I've, I've basically posted every single week for more than 100 weeks in a way that has become less and less painful and where I found less and less resistance. And so the process now for me to manage the podcast realistically is less than a couple hours a week to record, edit, produce, post, everything, publish the show. And that's been through a, a continuous process of optimization, automation, and deciding what is, my wife always says it's important to decide what is a glass plate and what is a plastic plate, i.e. if something were to fall, will it break or will you be able to just pick it up or is it unimportant? And you may have noticed or may have not noticed that sometimes I'll post an episode or an episode will go live through the pre-publish content scheduling and I won't post about it on social media. And so 
basically the acceptance criteria is an episode goes live every Wednesday at 5 a.m. Central Standard Time. Everything else is uh, icing on top of the cake and a plastic plate. And so I had a heavy couple weeks of uh, travel and some personal circumstances that prevented me from spending basically any time on LinkedIn promoting the last couple episodes that went live. And that's fine. Not going to boohoo about it. It's not a big deal. And people are subscribed to the show on Spotify, Apple, and, and so on. And if I promote it later, great. If I don't promote it at all, the mission is mastery, right? We'll start with the podcast first. I think the the one thing that continues to baffle me, and it baffles me the more and more people that I talk to, is that nobody really feels like they have it figured out and nobody really feels like they're super productive and a uh, few people feel like this overwhelming feeling that I'm making a humongous impact day to day. And I think that one of the things that I've learned just through growth mindset and achieving some goals that have been meaningful to me is that impact, productivity, fulfillment, they're all sort of a direction and, and not a destination. And it's not something that you really feel like you're doing. You just almost increase your propensity for being able to push forth those things. I also found that people are really accessible and approachable and that if you approach people humbly and are honest about the questions that you have and don't try to oversell or embellish on your level of competence, then people are very receptive to helping people that kind of acknowledge where they are. It's I found early on in the podcast that I was trying to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with an expert on a subject area that I was not really competent in, and it just got in the way. And as soon as I thought, I have this person on for a half hour, 45 minutes, what are the questions that I have for them? What can they teach me? If I just shut up and listen and not try to pretend to be uh, an expert on an area that I'm not an expert in, uh, I just found those to be much easier, uh, much more relaxed conversations and produced uh, better content overall. Now, going into the Ironman, I don't want this episode to be too long, but a little bit of background. I used to be overweight, in my opinion, very overweight. I was 325 pounds, lost 100 pounds through lifting weights. One of my friends at work, Rick, was actually, coincidentally enough, episode one of the podcast that went live. He invited me to work out with him and just started small. And the workouts that I look back on that we did were almost funny in comparison to what I'm uh, doing now. But slowly and surely, one day became two days, became three days, became a week, became two weeks, became three weeks, became a month, became two months and three months and so on. And that consistency was very helpful for me. And anyways, long story short, I remember as I was starting out, just hearing about this concept of an Ironman and thinking completing an Ironman and being an Ironman is the opposite of who I am today. And it just always felt like this ambitious goal that I've always wanted to do. 
fast forward seven or eight years, I had lost the the weight that I had wanted to and uh, started following somebody who was doing both lifting and running. And I had achieved a body composition that I was relatively satisfied with and was under the impression that cardio kills your gains and all these things that people say and found this one person who had a to-do physique and was also doing crazy things in endurance sports and got that bug. And so, again, I, I think one thing that I've been wise to learn is that the long way is the short way. Just do it as if you have no timeline is the thought that comes to my head. If you were to do it without a timeline and you recognize that, if I recognize that an Ironman is 140.6 miles comprised of a 2.4 mile swim, a 112 mile bike ride plus the one that I did was 116 miles and a, a full marathon after, it stands to reason that you need to complete a half marathon before you get to that point. And then it stands for you to complete a full Ironman, you need to definitely complete a full marathon. And so I just started doing it in building blocks. So I did a half marathon and then a full marathon. And then I started doing more swimming and biking. And then I did two half Ironmans. And then eventually 10 days ago, completed my first full Ironman. And just a lot of lessons along the way, both are related between the podcast and the full Ironman. So I'm just going to go through some notes. And just as a reference point, triathlons in general, but Ironman specifically don't allow the use of music and stuff like that, or podcasts, or you can't have headphones on basically. And so a lot of, I had a lot of time to, <laughs> to think and ruminate and so on. So in terms of the the performance itself, nothing to write home about in terms of the uh, time, but I wasn't going for a specific time. I just wanted to finish it for my first one and basically take it as easy as possible. And so first and foremost, I did have a coach that was helping me train for this one and the last half Ironman that I did, which was tremendously helpful. I don't think I could have uh, programmed anywhere near as well as uh, he did for me. I definitely suggest getting guidance and paying for guidance. In my experience, the, the the coaching for me is the best money I'll ever spend. I love that. So going into the numbers. So the swim took me 53 minutes. Uh, I knew it was going to be fast because it's a down downriver swim, but was pretty happy with the time. Want, wanted to be super conscious not to waste any energy. And I heard one person say that after you get off the swim, you want your tank to still be full. So if you look at after you fill your car up to full, most of the time the arrow will go past full. And so I wanted to take the arrow from past full to right at full as I was getting on the bike. And so kept it nice and easy, got out of the water and then moved on to the bike. The bike was the part that I was the most afraid of. I live in Chicago where there is not hills anywhere near those that you would see in Tennessee. And especially because I'm not a light person, the downhills were, I carried a tremendous around of, amount of fear around those, particularly because I'm not super confident in, in my bike handling. Definitely was not uh, fearless taking the downhills, which contributed to me getting a, a little bit of a slower time than I expected on the bike. 
The bike time was eight hours, five minutes and 45 seconds. Started feeling some saddle pain and some foot pain towards the end, but took in a lot of nutrition. If I were to guesstimate, I would say somewhere in the ballpark, I, I have it written in a note somewhere, but it was in the ballpark of 3,500 calories that I took in on the bike over those eight hours and a lot of sodium, about a thousand milligrams or so an hour. Going to the run, one of the biggest sighs of relief that I remember in my whole life was getting off the bike and going into the run. Some of the downhills were just very petrifying for me again as a novice, we'll say bike handler, going 35 miles an hour, things start to feel shaky at that speed, especially if you're not used to it. And I wasn't. Moved on to the run. First, I had practiced all my long runs. The last few that I did leading into the race were two minutes on running, one minute off. I knew I was not going to have the freshest legs going into the marathon. So I wanted to practice the cadence of run, break, run, break, run, break. And that helped me out really well. So many people that passed me up in the first mile, I saw them crossing the finish line 30, 40, 50, an hour, an hour after um, I had finished. And I was able to run, walk two minutes on, one minute off the first about 21 miles. And the way that the, the course was set up, it was two loops, two half marathon loops with the last five miles of the loop being very hilly. And the course is actually known for it being a difficult run. The first loop I was able to manage running a lot of the uphills. I'd basically bank time where I'd run five minutes straight, take a minute off, run another four or five minutes straight, take a minute off in preparation for some of the big hills. But during the second loop, my legs were just gassed. My left calf was starting to hurt and my toes hurt. So the last four and a half miles were a little bit more walking than running, but was able to, to pass through the finish line with my back straight and not feeling completely horrible. And overall, it was an amazing experience and one of the best days of my life. Going into the lessons learned, these were the ones that I learned through the, the Ironman race experience in particular, but can certainly be carried forward into some of the lessons that I've learned podcast. First and foremost, attitudes present themselves in me systematically. And so what I thought was really interesting is this has been a goal of mine for a really long time. I definitely put in the work for it. I was coachable. I did a 95% we'll say of the training sessions, the times that I didn't make the training sessions were due to family emergency type things or being, being sick where my watch or my whoop were telling me definitely do not train today. And my coach was telling me don't train today. And so I, I felt like I had put in the effort, but I remember being about 15 minutes into the swim thinking like there, there's no way that you're actually going to complete this. There's no way. And the finish line feeling so far away, I remember just feeling my triceps starting to burn a little bit. Wetsuits can be pretty tight, so you can start to feel uh, little niggles here and there, especially at the start of the swim before you're warming up. But that went away pretty quickly, maybe after 10 minutes or so of swimming. And then on the bike, just counting one mile after the other, like I've had some pretty bad race experiences where I've had... Uh, flats happen or my aero bars coming off or just like a bike issues. And 
even up until the 116 mile mark on the bike, I was just like, there's no way you're going to finish this bike ride. Like you're going to get a flat. Something's going to go wrong. You're, you're going to leave this race and you're going to have to go back straight into training and find another race. Like you're not going to finish this one though. And the funniest one was I was 21 miles into the marathon. I had I was well within all of the cutoff times and I felt really good. Like I hadn't felt anything, no GI issues from all the gels that I had taken in, no real exhaustion issues. I had my, my calf was hurting a little bit, but it wasn't like super painful that I couldn't keep going, but I was 21 miles in five miles away from the finish line and still feeling like there's no way I'm going to finish this. And so th these kinds of things, it, it's okay to have misplaced worry, I think, but the suffering of imagined troubles is, is what comes to mind. And I just thought it was funny that I was watching those thoughts cross my head as I was going through the race. So is it funny that you're 24 miles into your uh, full Ironman that you trained for that you think that you're not going to finish? And so that was one observation that I found that I think I just through the continual building of confidence will slowly remedy itself. The next thing is that sometimes the things that I expect to teach me things about myself are just reinforcing what I already know. I read the book Quiet last year. Quiet is about introverts. And one thing that I learned about myself is that I have a delay in processing emotion. And I was not expecting to run through the finish line with tears of joy and relief and happiness and a big scream at the end. I, I just, I found that I'm not that, I haven't experienced things like that. I'll just be 10 days later alone at home and think it'll sink in just out of nowhere. It, it's happened to me enough times where I think it, it's just how my brain is wired. But that aside, I, I think I was expecting to learn things around from the Ironman that I hadn't learned in, or learned in the halves or the marathons that I've done. And I'll be the first to say, like, I'm not the fastest triathlete or marathoner by any means, but I'm definitely faster than I was before. And the point is that it was an amazing experience and I uh, definitely learned a lot of technique and how to be a better triathlete and to push strong, push harder. But in terms of knowledge of self, there weren't these like huge lessons learned that I got out of it outside of maybe the thing that I went over, the attitudes presenting themselves. The next thing, just in general, through endur endurance sports, I have married and I have two kids and uh, a job that I try to do really good at and those things are more my priority than endurance training but the one thing that I found on endurance training is this idea of capacity that I'm always thinking about is that if I can manage training for an Ironman and manage to keep all of those things going well then once I'm not training for an Ironman I've increased my sort of floor in running, there's this metaphor of a floor and a ceiling. Floor is like your base capacity and ceiling is how hard can you push yourself. And the floor and the ceiling are in, in some ways tied, meaning 
you likely are not going to have a person who runs a marathon a 12 minute speed who has the capacity to run a four minute mile and they're tied to each other basically and especially towards the end where the training sessions were quite significant where i was doing a four hour run on friday night and doing a seven or eight hour bike ride on saturday or sunday and some long swim in between for uh, an hour 90 minutes the the schedule was not an easy thing to maintain the last month or so but now that i'm not doing it anymore i definitely am feeling the benefits of the just the ability to manage that kind of time and definitely feel stronger in that way a couple of other just helpful notes. I've struggled with a lot of aches and pains and muscular imbalances and stuff like that in the past that I've done a lot of work to try to address. And so one thing that I, I almost felt the lack of aches and pains on the swim, bike, and the run. Systemic issues manifest themselves as you increase repetition. And so if you have a muscular imbalance or some kind of tweak, through the repetition over hours and hours, it just becomes exacerbated. And so this goes to the idea of a theory of constraints and removing the constraint versus trying to get faster on a crutched process. But I definitely felt more solid than I've ever felt and didn't really have any strong aches and pains. And I've been able to recover from the race in a way that I'm very happy with. A couple of maybe uh, metaphysical takeaways. This was a river swim, and I've, I have only done lake swims before in Lake Michigan and in Florida, and here and around here in Illinois, other than Lake Michigan. But point is, when we were starting, that I couldn't see the starting line, and so you take a bus all alone, and you're standing in a line of more than a thousand people waiting to enter the water that you can't see because it's hidden behind trees and there's so many people in front of you. And so from the time that I was able to see the water to the time that I got into the water, it had to have been less than 30 seconds. But I, I just had this overwhelming feeling of being all alone and the only thing that I had with me was the preparation that I had done and the training that I had done. And that those were going to be that and a whole lot of good luck was going to be what got me to the finish line. And I remember actually going between the bike and the run and thinking about how many uncontrollables that had to have go my way for me to be able to reach that transition point. Again, for me, the, the bike was the one that I was worried about the most, not from an endurance standpoint, but just from a managing the downhills perspective. Yeah. Anyways, I, I just, I, I thought it was a really interesting observation that as I was taking that transition, just reflecting on the th all of the right things that were completely outside of my control that I was grateful for going my way Nobody crashed in front of me. I didn't get a flat, no mechanical issues. I did have it that my chain drop around mile 105, which was a little bit scary, but got off the bike and it came right back on. But yeah, a lot of things had to go my way for me to be able to finish that were completely outside of my control. And the concept of just the, the, the reckoning sort of feeling of going in a start line of a bunch of 
people that you don't know and all of, and because Chattanooga's start is a downriver swim you take a bus to the start you take a bus from where the transition area is to the start of the swim and so there's no family and spectators and stuff like that there you're literally all, all alone you and all the people that are about to start the race a couple of other just closing out the observations here the importance of taking breaks I, I used to be obsessed with this idea of how long can I run straight and I've ran for two three four hours straight before and it's nice when you haven't done that before and you learn that you have the capacity to do it but I think there is an obsession of the, is run walking running and stuff like that and I found that the two minutes on one minute off was so powerful for me to be able to execute my marathon off the bike and just being comfortable seeing people pass me by was awesome and there were a couple times where I saw some people that I had started out with that were running on fresh legs in mile one that I was talking to and mile 13, 15, 17, and so on, where they were, they hadn't thought through how they would feel at that point. And I was just really grateful that I took those breaks and was systematic. And, and some of the two minutes on were pretty painful, but knowing that it was just going to be two minutes was very helpful during my first Ironman. And during my training, I had done some things that were harder than the race from an endurance standpoint. I did an almost an eight hour bike ride inside my garage on the trainer, just looking at my laptop for eight hours. And so even though that didn't technically help me with the, the ups and downs of the hills, I was able to practice. It did help me with the uphills for sure because you have to keep pedaling and what I was using was mimicking some of what I would see on the course in terms of elevation gain. But, but biking outside in the beautiful Tennessee and Georgia mountains definitely beats a single car garage bike trainer any day. And yeah, that was really great. And just found that practicing things that were a little bit more difficult than the race, pre-practicing how I thought I would feel doing a marathon after getting off the bike with the two minutes on one minute off definitely paid in dividends and uh, yeah all in all it was a tremendous experience one that I'm continuing to process but I'm so happy with and so grateful that I uh, was able to make it uh, that far and what's next I'm looking to hopefully do uh, my first ultra marathon, which would look like a 50K, which is 31 miles. And I don't really like to push things hard. I like to build slowly. And I'm really excited about this idea of just running a little bit longer than the most I've run versus trying to do something uh, crazy. With that, here's to the next 100 episodes of the podcast and the five more miles that I plan to add on to the, the marathon that I'll be training for in the next few months. And I hope you enjoyed this episode a little bit out of character. Apologies if this feels like it had nothing to do with medical devices, pharma, or combination products. It's more for me than anyone. And uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please let me know. And I have some really cool interviews coming up soon. I uh, appreciate all your love and support. If you feel like there's anything that you'd like to see in the show, always open for feedback and uh, you can give it to me straight. And with that, Hope to stay accommodating with you all. Thank you.